Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. In the book, I wanted that variety of stories that really exemplified everyone that touches this plant and touches this industry to inspire them and encourage them to kind of take their leap as well. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. And I am Joyce Gerber, and this is the Cannamom Show. Welcome. So Dave, you know how I like to say that my dream is to be the Terry Gross of cannabis? It's what you've always said. I always like to say that. And do you know what's so great about Terry Gross? What isn't great about Terry Gross? But what is so great I, about her? What do you think? I was going to say many things, but when you listen to her interviews, it's like she really knows her guests and her conversations just feel really authentic. That's what's pretty That's amazing, right? What I tell everyone is the key to good podcasting. It should sound like you're listening in on somebody else's natural conversation. Exactly. So that's what we try to do here, especially today. And uh, wow, uh, we got a show for you today. It's I'm a, gonna full make house, a full house, a full house in the Cannamom show. Yeah, it's like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> it is <laughs> on the Zoom, but you can't see because we're audio only. But yeah, so we are going to make the intros a little different because we have four Canna stories to share with you from the upcoming anthology Courage and Cannabis. Thank you for your support. today. We are speaking with a doctor, a farmer, a business consultant, and a medical patient mom who now advocates for cannabis in Texas. All of today's guests are crushing the stereotypes of who consumes cannabis, who grows cannabis, and who is healing with cannabis. 
And we've all lived through a lot these past few years. And sometimes it is really hard to find some hope. But I listen to hopeful stories every day from the women in the cannabis industry. And usually I only get to bring you one. But today we are launching a two-part series featuring eight stories from the new anthology Courage and Cannabis. And this week we're beginning with Franny Tacey, Candy Flores, Khadija Adams, and Dr. Bridget Williams. Thank you. Welcome, my Canna author friends. All right, so I'm going to introduce all of you a little bit differently today. I'm going to talk to each of you for 15 minutes. But before I do, can each of you just say your name, tell me where you're calling in from, and what is your favorite way to consume cannabis? And let's start with Dr. Bridget. Hello, how are you today? So good to see you. So let me see. Okay, so starting with my name is Dr. Bridget Williams. I am today in Columbus, Ohio, originally from Detroit, Michigan, but I live in Ohio. Okay. What was the other part? And your favorite way to consume cannabis? So I am not an edible person. I've learned and I have (laughs) moved on with my life. Okay. So um, probably like simple, easy, just like um, a cartridge vape. It's quick. It's easy. It fits in your purse. Life moves on. That's a good answer. Okay. And uh, Khadija, where are you calling in from? And well, just give us your name and where you're calling in from. <laughs> Hi, Joyce. Thank you so much for having me. I am in McKinney, Texas today, and I prefer to consume. Uh, I'm a flower girl, so I like the natural plant. And I'm old school too. So I still roll, roll up with zigzags and a little orange. <laughs> we like back that. From, from back in the day. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the classics. Okay, that's awesome. And uh, Candy. My name is Candy Flores. Thank you for having me, Joyce. Chris, Corpus Christi, Texas. And I am an edible kind of girl. Edible girl. Okay. And now Franny. Oh, Franny Tacey is hollering at you from Western North Carolina here at Asheville. And I love cannabis in all formats, but I have been a kitchen witch for decades. And when I was in forestry school, started making tinctures. So that's my go-to every day. I am not going to live without my tincture. Excellent. All right. So then we get that out of the way. All right. So let's stay with Franny. Welcome. I've actually never met you. You're one of the few people I've actually never talked to in person. And I know you're a, you're a hemp farmer, right? In North Carolina. Yes. I was actually the first female to plant hemp in North Carolina. And you have a pharmaceutical background, which is interesting. I know there's a lot of farm. I live in Cambridge, Mass. So I know about the pharmaceutical Uh industry. So I know there's a lot in North Carolina. So that's how you came with Franny's pharmacy, right? Well, there's a, there's a couple things to it. I actually have a farm. So F-A-R-M-A-C-Y. Okay. In the last three years of my over decade in pharmaceuticals, I kept saying it's going to be pharmacy to farm. And that's where we got pharmacy. There you are. Okay. So let's talk about your message. I don't talk about hemp that often. I am kind of focused on women in the cannabis industry. So I know it's um, a huge part of the hemp industry. So I know you gave a TED talk. I heard about that. And what was your message? What's your central message when you're talking about hemp out there in the world? What are you trying to get across? Because this really isn't something I talk about that much. On the- yeah. I mean, I would love to, to tell you about that. I've been on every major network and, and TEDx. So I talk about a lot of things because we have a vertically integrated business. And I was the first female farmer to plant hemp in North Carolina and somewhere in the top 20 in the country. So the first few years, I was really focused on talking. I spoke to tens of thousands of farmers. We started a women in hemp nonprofit that 
funded research with NC State, all sorts of varietal trials. I'm just a science geek when it comes down to it. And my focus was a lot in manufacturing and marketing when I was in pharmaceuticals. So I worked with all our R&D. So I do a lot of stuff also in product development, how to get GMP certified, and now that we have over a dozen dispensaries in five states, a lot of what my messaging is, is about marketing in a business that is not business as usual market of cannabis and all things cannabis. But really my message every time, everywhere is that it is a female goddess plant and it is the only plant that can feed, clothes, shelter and provide medicine. And our farm camp kids, they know that true to the bone and repeat it in the song. Oh, that's, so that's love, the real message. And that is the message. No, that is truly the message. So what are you, who are your farm kids? I don't, I don't know what this is. So we have Franny's farm. So we're so transparent in this. Our farm has agritourism and cabins and we welcome people. And I had a farm way before hemp was on the radar. So are you a a farming family? Is your father a farmer? Are you? My father um, was a cattle farmer in Tennessee. He passed away two weeks before our first crop was planted. Oh, and our fields have been dedicated to him. And so is the research. Um, So I grew up with my dad was a cattle farmer. My mom, on the other hand, ran the bond division for Nashville, Tennessee. So they say I kind of landed in the middle. I was the middle child and landed in the middle. I got the heart for the farm and the brains for uh, business. Well, I am a middle child as well. I say our superpower is invisibility, but we know everything. (laughs) I love that. I know. I flew under the radar everywhere. <laughs> I mean, even 30 years ago, I was I had to get approved to write a paper on cannabis when I read The Emperor Wears No Clothes, which was this huge breakthrough for me. I was like, what? They're lying. Everyone shouldn't even be illegal. Well, that's our message, too. So, OK, so you're in this industry. I know I don't I'm trying to like share people's stories that maybe not aren't the story that you're sharing in the book. So I know you came from a family of farmers. I Do you talk about your dad in the story? I just like, what was your family's reaction when this was your decision to go from the pharmaceutical world into something that is marginally illegal and has a lot of stigma around it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question because I grew up Southern in Nashville, Tennessee with a family of engineers and Episcopal ministers. Mm-hmm. So They are also the most loving, amazing, and supportive people that have been open-minded. Never with, they support me as a person. It's been a huge learning opportunity. And my family is some of the best examples of how this products work so well. So I've been very fortunate, but it was not easy. They loved a pharmaceutical job. It it makes a lot of sense. Everybody knows what that is. You, Mm -hmm. You, it's a good living. So to leave that because I had no other choice. And I'm sure as women, we all know this and in families and in business, sometimes we do things because our, we can't not do it. And I had been involved in a couple of years to even get it passed in North Carolina. We were the fifth state to grow the seventh that came online for hemp. And so this was years before it was even legal. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been a real interesting road to education. I feel like we've come a long way. We have a long way to go. Oh, yes. But I started there. And when we were the first, there was nobody, not in our state, not in our country. So we had to be vertically integrated. 
So I now, not only did I grow, we manufacture our own products. We have our own GMP manufacturing facility. I've sat on one of the boards at the FDA. I'm very big about regulation, protecting the consumers. We were some of the first to bring QR codes and tracing seed to shelf. So that's our tagline, seed to shelf, hemp and health. So we manufacture, we also distribute, and we offer franchise opportunities. And so excited that our next three franchises are women. And again, so huge for me. Women helping women, bringing women up. And and what are you seeing? So I I say this a lot. I'm a a lawyer by training. I'm a certain age. I was often the only female in a room, which was frustrating, but reality. We're hoping that cannabis will look different. I know that everybody on this stage is out. Their mission is to help other women elevate them. And you're in a certain level of this world. So what are you seeing out there in terms of women creating companies that are different. I think this is what I'm hoping is that we're kind of creating a new business culture and also creating a culture that supports each other and isn't so competitive. There's more collaboration. I mean, you were hitting the nail on the head in a lot of different areas. It was a year ago, and this is part of our, our my story, is that I bought out my ex and the businesses and took over because we were losing some of what I am so passionate about in our values. And that is a collaborative model. I call it hemp fever that has happened in these past few years and some of the symptoms are inflated ego I'm gonna get rich and that is usually by men Mm -hmm. I have been at conferences where there's been hundreds of speakers over 400 speakers there were six women represented I sit as a woman everywhere I go the only person at a board table that's representing hundreds of millions of dollars in investments Mm -hmm. I have had multiple opportunities and been approached to buy me out. But what I find is they don't want to buy me out. They want to buy me and I'm not sellable. And this is where we go in with women, the women collaborators, as I've taken over and we've restructured this past year, our next three women franchise owners, one of them came from CVS as a pharmacist for 30 years, aligned in heart and education to help people another national marketing director for a health food company. And the other one has been a designer and has been recovering from addiction is out there helping people. That is what we stand for, all three of these women. And as we continue to develop the executives within our company and some of the main collaborators as we are transitioning into the THC THC zone, they're women. We think differently. And what's really important for me as CEO of eight businesses is that I'm understood. And for some reason, because of the way women think globally and then bring it back in, they understand. There is a different level of understanding, which I say everybody works different. I have a master's in education. A lot of the men's world is they start from what they want and then they go out to get it. I start with the end in mind and we are mirrors. We attract one another. I could not be more honored and having so much more fun than to be in this gathering with all these badass women right now. Oh my God. Okay. So Franny, I could literally talk to you all day, but I have so many things to say your name again and then the business. And if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to reach you? And I'll put it all in the show notes at the end. Awesome. So I am Franny Tacy. You can find me any and everywhere, all across social media, YouTube, and our website at Franny's Pharmacy. And Franny's with a Y and Pharmacy's F-A-R-M-A-C-Y. 
And also find me personally for Andy Tacey and for Andy's farm. Feel free to come on, stay in a cabin and meet me. I think I might have to do that. Okay. So we are now <laughs> changing states. Let's hear from Candy in Texas. She's a mom, a medical user and medical patient, and she's an advocate right now. And just let me say, I've heard you talk and I know that there was a time when you said you were ready to give up and that you had actually told a story about someone you met in a store who said to you, she wasn't sure that you would still be alive because you had been so sick before you had to transition from the opiates to the cannabis medicine. So I just, this is a really, this is sort of the opposite. And this is what the Franny business model for medicinal is trying to help people and you're the other end. So welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So I don't want to, again, I don't want to give away the stories of what's in the book, but I know you talked about um, just sort of with your kids and there was a connection to Lucky Leaf Expo. I don't know, something about how you got into the industry and how your children are supporting you. I think that seems to be a good way to sort of talk about your story without talking about everything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a a medical cannabis user. I started in 2017. Prior to that, I had never used before. My kids are grown. So it was kind of to where I was on the other side now as a user. And of course they supported me and helped me through the, through my journey. And that was of course the best because I was pretty much alone on it, not knowing much about it. Getting into the, the industry, I started I started as a volunteer with Lucky Leave Expo, and then I started okay, uh, can working you just talk a bit to, I'm not, not sure everyone will know. Can you just say what Lucky Leaf is and why it, was such, why it was so transformative for you, what the Lucky Leaf Expo is? Yes, Lucky Leave Expo is, they do cannabis and hemp expos uh, all over the U.S. And I just, I connected with them and they liked my work and I, I started helping them out and traveling with them and their expos. And what were you doing with them to help them out? Registration and helping just put the business part of it together as far as getting the businesses, the vendors and exhibitors to to join. So, and Helping to bring it together. So when you had, so you are, I know that you were a patient, you were quite ill and you transitioned yes. from opiates to the cannabis medicine. Yes. Ma'am. So, um, when you, and you felt alone, I've heard this a lot. People often feel very alone in this journey. They don't know who to turn to. They just feel like they're sort of doing something under the table. Your family was supportive, which was nice. But when you finally found an expo, I mean, an expo where people were in business and the whole world was sort of focused around this cannabis product, what did that feel like? Like heaven. <laughs> I love just being around just people like, like myself. It makes me feel just not alone anymore. But there is other people out there that, that do the same as me and the actual plant has helped them just as well. Being in Texas and it being illegal and all the controversy and everything that we've had, at times I still feel alone attending these functions and just being involved, especially in taking part part with Dr. Bridget Williams on the Courage and Cannabis has really helped a lot with the healing and just keep moving forward. And sharing the stories. I mean, I talk about the yes. power of stories. That is what we talk about on this show. And that when we start, um, we're allowed to get rid of that shame. I mean, often my guests don't even know where the shame comes from. That's the, I think the craziest yeah. part of all this is that we are going through a healing process or you're going through a healing process with cannabis products. Yet the outside world is telling you that it's very dangerous and that you're doing something wrong. And your own body is telling you you're doing something right. I, I Again, I say this almost every show. I'm just amazed at the strength of the women 
who they're basically using themselves as guinea pigs. I mean, you can talk a little bit about how sick you are. I mean, it sounded like you were really about done. Like you just didn't think there was any future for you. And this came as a last resort to you, which it actually makes me so sad because I know this is the mission is to get this as a frontline option. It shouldn't be the last thing people find at the last resort when they're so sick, nothing else works, right? Yes, exactly. And I always share with others, the only regret regret that they'll have is not doing it soon enough because that's what I want to do is help others not go through what I went through to kind of make it easier for them. I feel like I've already done all the dirty work. I've already been through nearly not making it and just fighting after it, it helped me. And are you, you know, doing I, any of the policy work or any of the, I know Texas kind of confuses me, but are you doing any sort of advocacy at a state level or a local level in terms of medical cannabis yet? Is that something you're involved no, with? No. No, I, I would love to be. I, I do petitions and so forth with the NRML and different groups that I help others. You know, that's one of my biggest things is also support because I wish I would have had the support when I first started. And like I said, it's, it's just sharing my story and keep moving forward with them. And are you finding people reaching out to you, people you wouldn't expect? Yes, yes. And I've helped a lot of others just along the way. And when they do come back to me and they say, wow, like I wish someone have, somebody would have helped me a long time ago. And I usually share with them that those were my exact words. I w- why didn't I try this before? And you know, I think that would have, my life would have been so different. And again, I get, these are stories I hear quite often that these women who have been able to get through this are now out there being the people they wish they had, which is, again, something different that women are doing in this industry, building this industry and trying to create a space to heal people using their own journey as a model. So thank you, Candy. That's really, it's powerful. I know. So if people want to get in touch with you, they want to reach out to you, if they want to learn more about you besides in the book, how do they connect with you? On social media. Candy Flores. We also have Perla Texas CBD Wellness Boutique. We'll be opening soon. We're on social media as far as Facebook and Instagram, Perla Texas. Excellent. All right. Texas, Texas, Texas. So staying in Texas, but we're shifting topics. Let's talk about investing in cannabis with my friend Khadija Adams. She is a business empowerment coach, an investor, an international speaker, and an all-around inspirational leader, which is actually how I met her on Clubhouse Room called Girl, Get That Money. And I always say I went into cannabis to make money. We can talk about that later. But this industry is very complicated and investing in it is very tricky too. So let's see. When you're talking about investing in cannabis, what do you look for? And is it anything different than what you look for in a non-cannabis business? Because I know everything in cannabis is a little upside down. Joyce, that's a really good question. Let me tell you. The first thing I look for is the team, right? Who's on the team? Who's leading the team? Have they done this before? If they have done this before, were they successful? Um, And if they were successful, why aren't they still doing it? I I ask all those questions and and can they do it again, right? What's the product and does the market, have they tested the, the market for the product to see if the product or the services are even needed or wanted in the, in the industry. So I look for all of that. The numbers are important to me. However, if you don't have the right team, you won't hit the numbers anyway, right? So I, I like to start with the, with, with the team. So that's what I look for. I also look for stories mm-hmm. before I even consider investing. So 
let's just say someone is pitching me or a group is pitching me, if they're just pitching me, reading off a pitch deck, I probably won't even, I'll take I'll put it to you this way. I won't be as interested as if they just led with their story. Lead with your story and then allow the investor to fall in love with you. And then we'll get into the facts by asking questions. So I do hear this. I love the story thing. I was going to come back to that. But the, when people, you talk about this a lot about the team, the team, like who, what is it specifically that you're looking for? Are you looking for people that have synergy? Are you looking for people with passion? Are you looking to make sure it's just not all white dudes? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you know, well let, let me just say this. I am, I look for people with passion and they are all in line with one vision and that's the vision of the company. And they all have the fortitude to execute. So I look for that. I also look for the uniqueness in the product or the services. What set this? What, what sets this company um, apart from all the other companies? Or what sets this entrepreneur's story or makes it more unique than than someone else's story that I can actually get behind? So that's what I really I really look for. And the stories, I just think there are so many products out there, and there. Are- a lot of the stories behind the products of the women we're meeting are really about healing and wellness or education. I mean, you're seeing that a lot too, right? Education, this idea that, yeah. So when you're looking right now, so what are you seeing that's coming up that's exciting to you? Do you see some women? I mean, this is my thing. I don't understand why the men aren't catering to women our age and older. We literally know the least. We need the most and we have money. So are you seeing (laughs) other people out there that are coming to you like, we have a vision, expand this market in a way that's going to be profitable and healthy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I invest in real estate, plays, biotechnology, and technology, right? Yeah, right. Um, those are the verticals that I invest in. And, and when, so, so kind of coming back to the beginning. So is it the same things, looking for cannabis as, a, as opposed to your other investments? Are you looking for the team and the story? It's the same, same situation, right? Because the only thing that changes in a company is the products and the services. That's it, right? The formula in itself is generally the same. And so in cannabis, you have advertising in the traditional marketing you have or, or um, industries you have advertising. The only thing that changes is, is the product, right? The services that they offer, the people and the team behind them. As it relates to cannabis investment, that's why I go with real estate, biotechnology, and technology because I'm not investing directly into the plant. I'm investing into real estate, right? Maybe the land or the property in which the, the, the facility sits on. That is cannabis is real estate. I mean, that is really the big issue out here. I mean, I guess it's everywhere. It's, I will say in Massachusetts, we're reimagining our industrial areas that were abandoned with cannabis. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. So and I, what are you seeing down in, I mean, you're, you're investing all over, but are you seeing anything in Texas where you are now that seems different than you know, I'm not even looking in Texas. Honestly, you know what? Let me tell you, it is, I'm not a very political person, but I can tell you that when, when the governor said that as long as he's in office, that the plant is not going to be legalized here, I said, okay, let me focus in areas where it's legalized. Let me help social equity applicants and women in business and people of color in business by deploying capital in their particular companies and also by helping in other ways. 
And so in Texas, I, I'm not even looking, not, not right now. I have seen some very promising companies in Texas and they're focusing like on CBD and hemp and things of that nature. But I've also seen a couple of companies here in Texas literally shut their doors because they were doing nothing but Delta 8. And then a new ruling came out and then they couldn't do, guess what, Delta 8. But they were all behind Delta 8, put a lot of money into it. And now they close their doors. And so I'm just not, I, I have a very high risk tolerance as an investor, but I have very short patience with the state of Texas. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, this is the interesting part about cannabis in America is that it's so state specific and it's not even just state specific. It's like local community specific. That's how I was here today contacting our state reps about we have a host agreement issue in Massachusetts where you have to get an agreement of the town or locality before you can even go to the state, which is very unhelpful to social equity applicants because it adds to the capital expense, which is really the big issue in capital. I mean, in cannabis, right? Yeah, it's that, that really is. It's all about the capital right now, um, helping our social equity applicants, because even though it's a state to state and city to state type situation, there are some states, let's take Colorado, for instance, whereas Denver has a social equity, there's benefits to their social equity. However, the state does not, I mean, you have to pay, the, the social equity applicants have to pay the same fees as everybody else, period. And they need both in order to operate. They need it from a city level and from a state level. And so it's almost like dangling a carrot saying, oh, okay, well, lip, or throwing a bone. Let me just throw you a bone right? And, and when you catch it, just do whatever you can with it. We know you probably can't do much, but do what you can with it. So it's kind of half ass. No, I, I see it. I mean, even out here in Massachusetts, they got a ruling so that the, the delivery licenses, which could have a warehouse, because before that, they weren't allowed to have a warehouse, which made a delivery license basically useless because all, at some point, all the cannabis dispensaries would get their own. So we had a fight out here in Massachusetts and they they won against some of the bigger dispensaries. So that I think is the benefit of state issues because you can kind of keep it local and the local people can fight for it. So it's going to be interesting to see what goes nationally because I know social equity isn't really on the radar or some of the people who want to pass the federal legislation. And if we don't put a bottom on this, it's just going to look like every other industry that we have. So do you have any vision? Do you have like a magic vision of like how you think social equity could be um, created better across the country or in different states, funding or fund set up or uh, do you have a vision? You know, I am looking at several cannabis funds. I'd like to see more cannabis funds that are, are really focused on social equity and actually funding and providing funding for social equity applicants. I have seen a lot of events that have been put on for social equity applicants. And mind you, these events are expensive, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But if we could redirect some of those dollars towards a fund that could actually help, and not just a fund that provides just the monetary benefits, but maybe even the C-level executives to help social equity applicants who are not already C-level executives build their team in order to build a strong company and a strong foundation. So that's what I'd like to see that's what I'm leaning towards and um, more in coaching um, moving forward in 2022. So excellent. That's exciting. All right. So one more time, just tell people how they can connect with you and it'll be in the show notes. Awesome. Well, thank you. First of all, for having me on, I really appreciate it. 
And um, people can connect with me via my website, KhadijaAdams.com, Instagram, Girl Get That Money, Instagram, Khadija Adams, and Facebook, Khadija Adams. I am a Facebooker, so Facebook. And Clubhouse every and Monday, Wednesday, yes. Friday. Yes, and on Clubhouse every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time, Girl Get That Money. Yeah. Everybody forgets about Clubhouse. That's how we all know each other. All right. So last but definitely not least, Dr. Bridget Williams in Ohio. See, we're going everywhere, all across the country. She is the mastermind behind Courage and Cannabis. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us. And I know that you are a very busy woman. So what made you believe this was a good idea to (laughs) start one more project in 2021? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so thank you, Joyce, for having myself and the rest of the authors today. We're excited, and you're one of the authors as well. So we're excited to have you on the project and excited to be on your show today. So thank you for having us. I, when it came to this project, I could not sleep. I could not let it go. You're right. I, my advisors were like, "Really? Do you really need to start this?" Pro-? Like everyone was like, "No, not now." But I, I couldn't get it out of my head. I. When I got into the cannabis space, I was so intrigued by people's stories right off the bat. I started jotting down their stories and really started collecting them and had someone that was really interested in publishing them. But I had this, I don't know, feeling in my gut or in my heart that these are not my stories. And did I really have the right to publish them without them actually writing them themselves, even if I informed them? I I just felt like it wasn't right. So I kind of blew off the opportunity and I got involved with a group that was doing anthologies. I'm a published author in another book. And once I realized what that experience was like, not only being able to write your story and publish it, but the whole experience was really a healing experience, which really speaks to me personally and what I want to offer to others that I knew I had to create a book around cannabis. These stories won't last forever. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be able to get them down. That is true. I mean, we talked about that in the podcast that we're just, I say I'm sharing these stories, but we're also preserving this history because in 10 years, people are going to think this is wacky do like what was going on? Why were people so upset? What was going on and why were we not able to use this for health and wellness? And why did people have to get so sick in order for him to be introduced to it? All right. So I don't know what you want to talk about if you want to give away about your story, but um, I know you do a lot of things in Ohio around Mm -hmm. health and wellness and cannabis and the book. Maybe just talk about how did you find the different authors? How did you, how did you find the different authors and what inspired you to make this collection of the the specific people you chose to have in it? Yeah. Right. So I wanted something that really spoke to everyone. Like you said, within, honestly, within a generation or two, people have no concept of what we're talking about or why. And I wanted to get those stories down. Um, I wanted it to be a great variety of stories. And so in the book, we have the doctors and the lawyers and the parents and adult caregivers and the business people. I've seen some opportunities where people would share patient stories in the past, but I know so many people that are intrigued just by the industry itself and are changing their lives to be in it. And that Mm -hmm. takes courage as well, right? And so I wanted that variety of stories that really exemplified everyone that that touches this plant and touches this industry to inspire them and encourage them to, to kind of take their leap as well. 
So I found the, gosh, I found the authors all sorts of different ways. Some were referred to me, like Franny was referred to me from uh, a friend of mine that I've worked with. Candy, I literally met on the floor at Lucky Leaf. And so we just kind of hit it off and kept talking from there. Khadija Adams has been my business consultant that I found on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And so we connected and that's how you and I connected also right. through Clubhouse, right? right? And so some people reached out to me and other people, I knew their story and I wanted them in the book. And so it all just kind of came together. I feel like whoever was supposed to be here is in the book and we're excited to have their contribution. And I know it's, I always, I, I talk only to women, but it isn't just women in this, the book. You have right. stories from, yeah. Different people. Yeah, we different have, we do have people. men. And I, like I said, I wanted a variety that really, I, I do think that women are so much of the decision makers and definitely the medical decision makers in homes. But I did want a variety of stories. So whether it's men or women reading this book, that they had another perspective, right? And so I wanted to, so we have men that are offering business education and health points of view around cannabis, legacy growers and all of the above. So that everyone, whatever you're looking for in this book, that there is at least one story that speaks to you. That's awesome. And do you know how many states? Do you know how many states you've covered? Oh, gosh. Uh, I know. That's a great question. <laughs> I was thinking that the I, other I know day. that about Seven of us are from Ohio and there's 18 total. And so everybody else is spread out from there. We, we do definitely have some good Texas representation. I think three people are from Texas. Which is interesting. Um, That's a, a strict state. And you have someone like me from Massachusetts where it's adult use since 2016. And we are talking about the different markets, how they're developing. Ohio and the um, middle of the country is very different from California, right. obviously. I don't know what's going on in California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, and we have one of our authors is from Canada. So gosh, every time I talk to her, I think I understand what's going on up there. And then she says something new and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like it's, you would think it's kind of clear cut, but it's so much different. So um, so she definitely offers a different perspective as well. But I think it's helped very useful for people. I, I mean, again, we need to find some sort of baseline that our country can agree to, and then maybe we can move to the state model. I know this is political, but mm-hmm. it just feels like we are one country. We don't even have interstate commerce, which is kind of absurd. And we're kind of falling behind, not to mention the banking, which we haven't even talked about. Oh, gosh. What a nightmare. nightmare. All right. Well, why don't I bring everybody back on? Oh, actually, why don't I ask Dr. Bridget? So one more question. I know I've been talking about it being available at the end of the year. Are there any dates specific when it's actually going to be available? I have put my fists down. We will be launching the book on December 13th. So Monday, December 13th will be the digital launch. We will have a pre-launch party Sunday night where we'll do like a live Zoom. People can meet the authors, share a little bit of stories, do some pre-purchases. And then after the launch on Monday, then we will have pre-orders for the actual paperback copies that will come out just a few weeks after that. So we re- the launch is really a big deal because we really want to get a great presence on Amazon. So you can put a back book on Amazon and it won't get much viewership. So the launch is a really, it's a huge campaign and party so that we can really get those numbers up so people actually can find our book. That's excellent. All right. December yes. 13th. I heard it here first. And there are 18 authors, right? Is that 18 the authors, right. 18 authors from across the country and Canada. Yes. Exciting. Yes. All right. So ladies, welcome back. All right. This one pretty well. <laughs> Got you all in. I'm just going to ask one more, I guess, like just uh, 
conclusion question. Just I don't want to give away what your story is about completely in the anthology, but it's you want to give a. I think Khadija asked me this. What do you want people to take away? What is it like? I know that we want to have this anthology so that people can see themselves in these different authors across the country and telling different types of stories. What is it that you would like people to take away from your story? Let's start with Candy. I would like people to know that they're not alone and we are healable with the plant. There's other op- education, yeah, education and continue to share your, your experiences, your, your journey would help others. And brave. She's brave. I think her story is going to be about bravery. Khadija, what do you want people to take away from your story in Courage and Cannabis? Wow. So I want them to take away mindset, courage, perseverance, and consistency, and being an entrepreneur, understanding, understanding that there are different seasons in business, just like there's different seasons in life. And sometimes you have to pivot, but you got to stick in there. You have to hang in there. You can't give up. Mm-hmm. And you will hear that message if you tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. She's very inspirational, people, I'm telling you. All right. And Franny, what is the message you want people to take away from your story? Follow your heart. It is so important that we are honest with ourselves and that we align all our decisions using our three brains, which is our head, our heart, and our gut check in no matter what it is so much better on the other side of a hard decision stick with it wise advice thank you and doctor for my story i would love for people to take away the power of reinvention to life can be tough and and difficult and uh if you can be able to take a pay attention to the small blessings and pay attention to the the little messages and, and things that happen in life and utilize them to transform your life. You can find happiness and joy and confidence. Amen. All right. So this people is why we need women leading the industry because these are the values that they will bring to the table. Because like I say, there's an army of women like me. We are well-educated. We have experience. We have the power now. We're not asking anyone for permission. So they are here. They exist. I tell their stories. <laughs> so thank you thank you for joining me today i always say that whatever you do cannabis needs you we need more farmers and doctors and investors and advocates and next week we'll be speaking with four more authors from the upcoming anthology courage in cannabis to continue on our mission of crushing the stigma around cannabis and well everyone so thank you franny thank you candy thank you Khadija. thank you dr bridget What an honor it is to have all of you in my life. Thank you so much for sharing your stories for me. And I am able to introduce you to my listeners. All right, Dave, that's another show. That was really the token mail today. That was. (laughs) Outnumbered. You're holding your your own, though. I'm very Great show, though. You must be exhausted. It's a lot. <laughs> I love these ladies. I could talk to them all day. A lot of candle love. Talk to them half the day, actually. So, so thank you for listening to me. That's another show. So, from my guest and my canna bro, David Jazz, and our canna mom show team, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the canna mom show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one canna story at a time. Thank you for following and subscribing and sharing all the amazing canna stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregiving. I am your host, 
Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.